This episode of Tuna on Toast is brought to you by Hammer Toyota here in Southern California, out there in Mission Hills. Uh, they're the absolute best. They will treat you like a rock star. It's not like going to any normal car lot. They make you feel good. Today I was driving in Los Angeles about a mile from where I live, and 300 yards in front of me was a Toyota RAV4 in the color Lunar Rock. That's the color my wife has. So I'm like, oh, my God, there's my wife. I'm going to speed up and say hi. So I drive. I step on the gas a little bit. I wasn't too much of a maniac. And I get to the side of the car, and I hope it's her. It's the same car, a Toyota RAV4 Lunar Rock color. It even has the Hammer Toyota license plate on there. And it wasn't her. It was some guy. But I waved. I still waved. And the funny thing is he waved back. H-A-M-E-R, HammerToyota.com. When it's time to buy or lease a car, truck, SUV, or sell your car back, keep them in mind. Hammer Toyota supports Tune On Toast. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called Tuna on Toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on Toast. Yes. Tuna on Toast. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Stryker. Thanks so much for checking out the pod. Mod Sun is going to join us in just a minute, and this dude rules. Appreciate you checking out the audio presentation of Tuna on Toast. It's also available on YouTube if you want to watch all the episodes. Tuna on Toast with Stryker. You can see the tan chairs in here. I've got the Tuna on Toast logo. You can see what all the guests are wearing, what it looks like. It's a three-camera setup. Uh, You know, when I uh, book the guests, and I'm always nervous asking the artists if they want to do it because I'm so freaking afraid. They're like, no, no, no. I don't know what my batting average is on people saying yes, but it's I've been very, very, very lucky. But after they say yes, and I'm sure they feel pressure to say yes for some reason, but I always, in my pitch, and sometimes I invite them, uh, I go to, I send them a DM on Instagram, or maybe I'll have their phone, num- phone number. I always say no pressure. I promise you don't have to say yes. No pressure at all. But after they say yes, I say, okay, I'm going to send you an email, a confirmation email. And I'm sure my grammar and spelling is terrible on it. But I say, okay, we're meeting on Tuesday. It's 11 a.m. Here's the address. This is where you park. We're going to film when you walk in my place. And then I have I put the little star thing. And it says, the chairs in the Tuna Unto studio are tan. So don't wear a tan outfit or a tan jumpsuit. So many of the guests, that's all they they like. Oh, yeah, thanks so much. I was going to wear a tan outfit. Mod Sun does not have a tan outfit. Uh, when he is here, this guy is awesome. He is a he is a real artist. He is great at so many things, from drumming and directing and writing and performing. Is art the guy can do it all? He's got a new song that just dropped, which is called "Rich Kids Ruin Everything." He's got a documentary available on YouTube called "Remember Me Just Like This." I mean, we we, we get into everything, but if you don't know him that much, please hear this from me. Before we start, he is so easy to root for. He is charming and smart and creative and humble, and uh, he's a really good dude. So let's get to it, everybody. Again, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. If you can, go give me like five stars or something. Well, you don't have to, but if you do that, take 20 seconds and write a friendly review about Tuna on Toast. It helps with the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. Please welcome to the Tuna on Toast studio. This 
is Maud's son. <laughs> watch your head, watch your feet. Did I tell you? Yes. I'm the biggest fan of this podcast. Thank you. Oh my God. Watch your head, watch your feet. You yeah. sit right there, I'll sit I'll here. Right I'll here. close the door. Right there. And what are you going to do with the wood here? Respect the wood. Here's the coaster. We've got, we've got a real nice, we've got a real nice centerpiece going on right here. <laughs> Now he's gonna get this set, and then we're rolling. I can't wait. The Chris Caraba one, who was just just here, watched it. You did? Yeah, of course. What'd you think? The second, I, I probably watched it an hour after it came out. God, I'm like the thank biggest you. dashboard fan in the world. It was great. He's so calm and collected. So calm. So opposite of me. Ah, <laughs> which is good. I like. I love both those energies. Ooh, I'm sweating now. Holy I know. It, you know what? You have had a lot of different kind of interviews. Like, you know, the Elon Rubin, Rubin one. Oh, yeah. I hit you up about that oh, one, obviously. Yeah. That was a very intelligent one. And then the Fat Mike one was just hilarious. That was crazy. <laughs> Elon Rubin, I mean, is that guy, he's a musical genius, isn't he? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, he is. I'm not kidding when I say I had, like, um, a oh, magazine yeah, right. article of him on my wall when I was a kid. He was like the one that I was like, oh my God, he's like the kid drummer, right? right. And I named my bird after him. Right. I told him all this. I know. Yeah, we spoke. Oh, we you spoke. Yeah, no. We, we connected. Wow. We connected momentarily, like in text. That I, uh, we definitely got to link up at some point. Wow. Uh huh. That's crazy. Man, thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you know the podcast, you like it. I, I, I'm serious. Like, I'm a podcast fiend. You know what I'm saying? I like, um, do you like more the vi do you like watching or listening better then? Probably watching because I like the visual stimulant of it. I, I pretty much watch it. I, I try to run four miles every single day on a treadmill. So I'm sitting there and I watch kind of and listen to podcasts. And I've, I've seen every episode of yours. Wait, can you save this? Yeah, wait yeah, till these cameras yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will not stop okay. talking this whole time, okay. bro. Here we go. Three. Over here we go. Three. Ready, Sean? Two, one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. Joined today by a gentleman who can write, perform, produce, direct, and is an incredible artist in all ways. And he's here at my house sitting next to me, Mod Son. Oh, man. Welcome. What a great intro. I'm gonna need the, that's going to be the intro on my next album right there. Please. Yeah. Oh, there my we go. God. Thank you for having me today, bro. Thank you so much for being here, man. You and I struck up a some uh, communication like... I don't know, four or five years oh, ago you on wanna, Instagram? You want to really know? Yeah. Probably 10 years ago. No! Yeah. Did I mess up? No, no. You were you were awesome. Um, a gentleman by the name of Cisco Adler. Yes, yeah, Cisco. I believe he connected us, um, I want to say about 10 years ago when I was doing a project with him. Oh, my when God. When I still lived in Minnesota, I came out here for the... Um, to make music for the first time, staying at his uh, at his house in we Malibu. Made a project, yep, yep, the classic, the famous house out there. Yeah, um, this was uh, towards like the latter days of Shwayze. Okay, and Cisco was really going with production. Um, but uh, but yeah, I had hit you up, and I know he had hit you up, and you know you've always been kind of an integral part of music to me oh thank you yeah thank you for saying that and you're such a shining light dude thank you you really are thanks man yeah our energies kind of really really coincide a hundred percent yes <laughs> i i mean i really i root for people so hard to do well whether it's an artist that's been in the business for two years or 25 years mm -hmm. it is so hard for people to care to get people to care and to stick with you 
for one year, two years, or five years. From your perspective and what you've been doing over the last five to 10 years, what's it like? You said it best. I think about it all the time. I know that for an artist to get a couple years of doing well and kind of being on a gradual incline is a total blessing. For me to have over a 10-year career as Mod Sun, prior to that, like a seven-year career as a drummer in bands. Yes. For me to have, I always kind of look at it like this, like the, the graph is like breaking now. It's bending and breaking. It's going like this. For me to be at like the highest point in my career this long into it is the biggest blessing in the world, you know? And I and I hold that very close to me. And I think about that all the time when I get in my head, you know? Because that's what happens with an artist is like you really end up competing with yourself, you know? You is that really healthy do. to do? I think that's what needs to be done. Yeah. But I don't, it can really drive an individual crazy. It, my bubble is 50 million times smaller than yours, but I'm always competing with myself. And it's like this moment we're having here yeah. is so freaking important to me. Yeah. But in the scheme of life, like, what is it? It's two guys just hanging out at my house. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Like, is it is it healthy to be competing with yourself? I don't know if it's healthy, but is it good for the art? For sure. Mm. To not be complacent and go in and just be like, I don't even have to try. You know, I've always had this this something in me that's like not trying is the most uncool thing ever. I think it is so cool to try. Yes. I think it's so cool to be very confident and try your best to be confident, to be delusionally confident. But at the same time, to constantly be like, I want to do better. I want to do better. Just, just when you wake up the next day, right. you know, and finding right. ways to serve this world um but does it get chaotic and is it like living in your own shadow at times and stuff like that oh my god yeah to be like i had success with a song and then trying to outdo that every time oh my god crazy but it is but at the same time here i am and uh i guess in some ways it's worked for me it know? absolutely has and i want to give you a ton of credit and do a little bit of a deep dive when you became Mod Sun, and as you mentioned, you were drumming in other bands. Four Letter Lie was the pretty much the last one, right? Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. Oh, was. right, Scary Kid. <clears throat> but when you left the other band, yeah, they made you feel a certain way about your creativity and ideas, and you threw your hands up and said, "Hold on, this is not for me. I need to go a different direction." Yes, yes, and 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 by saying that, um, it's it's all love to them because they had a specific vision. Of what they wanted to do. Right. And I think it's so important to to hold on to your vision and to do your best to be a visionary. I think that's what creates great art is like being a visionary. When you see something inside your head, do everything possible to make it real, to make it so other people can see it. Right. But let's be very clear on something just in case people don't know. Yeah. This band that you were in, specifically Four Letter Life, you guys yeah. were playing real shows. Yeah. This was a real yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's so hard, I believe... If you've got something going on to walk away yes. and then become something yes. else and start from freaking scratch, man. Yep. And you did that. What yep. gave you the confidence to do that? I think leaving comfort for something you believe in is something that creates a monster in you. Mm. And I'm using monster in a positive term mm -hmm. here. I think it creates this burning desire to do something great. And um, I think that's what that's what gave me the fearlessness was like, I want to, you know, we we're briefly speaking on the fact of like thinking that 
at any point this the rug could get pulled out from under you. Yes. I just whether or not this again, a lot of my ideology is very delusional. As big as I think my world is, it is also very small in the grand scheme of things, you know? Why does all this really matter, right? Right. Like, you know? Right. But I'm a legacy person. And I really want to, on the day I die, feel like I left everything here, right? I left everything to be seen and shared. And I've always made my art from the viewpoint that whether or not it's important now, it'll be much more important after I'm gone. I've always wow. made it from that standpoint, you know? And I think a lot of that comes from being a kid and looking up to everyone in the 27 Club. You know, my dad was just a straight rock and roller, right? So you mean like Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix. Janis Joplin. Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin. Right. Yes, like, uh, you know, the, the holiest people to me. And um, I just saw how, yes, they were important while they were here, but they've become so, I mean, they, they died before I was born, right. you know? Right. And, uh, and they became my heroes. And so I always looked at that as like, you can be a hero long after you're gone, you know? And so wanting to create out of what truly was in my heart and do it in my way, you know, that great Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way, Yes, you know, yeah. regrets. I've had a few, but too few to mention. Right. You know, yeah. yes, I did it my yes. way at the end of the day. Right. And, uh, that's that's what I knew would make me proud at the end of my life on my deathbed oh, sitting there. It would make me proud to be like, you know what? You could have always taken an easy route and instead you wanted to you wanted to go uphill, uphill battle, you know. And you know what happens when you do it your own way? Yeah. It's authentic. Yeah. And if it's authentic. Yeah. It's people are going to gravitate towards it. And then you've got it for life. It's not some phony baloney thing that you conjured up one day. It's absolutely who you are. And to put yourself in the position you have coming from where you have come from in Minnesota, at times it seemed like you were living out in the sticks somewhere, like yeah. on a farm or something. Yeah. Like, what was, what was that like? Yeah, I was born on a farm. You are born on um, a farm in Minnesota, right? Yeah, well, you know, we moved to a farm when I was like, Three months old. Okay. So, so yeah. yes, I was uh, from all my recollection of growing up at my earliest point was living on a farm with no neighbors, no friends around, no young kids. And it was me in my imagination. And due to that, I have lived in my own world my whole life. I've lived inside of my head. I always say, like, I have this wallpaper on the inside of my skull that is just, like, so beautiful to look at. And that's where I stay. I've never grown out of that. I've never grown out of this, like, creative imagination state. And so I think, like, if I was born in the middle of a city with a bunch of friends, I would have been totally different. I would have been totally different. But due to that, I've been such, like, a internal living in this magical state that life is like a playground to me, you know? And was it not just where you were living, but the dynamic of your family and your friends growing up? Yeah. Well, you know, I was raised um, by my mother and my sister. So that, to me, created a very sensitive, vulnerable, empathetic person. You know, um, my mother and my sister were very gentle. 
you know, and very kind. And, um, you know, my father was like kind of the total opposite. He was like a bat out of hell, like a hell's angel, motorcycle riding, crazy partying, craziest dude I've ever met. At time, too much partying on his oh, end? at all times, at all times, you know. Um, but he had the charisma of huh. the greatest superstar you've ever met. <laughs> Like, this dude would walk in a room. And, and you know, what I really like to think is I got the, the best of my mom and my dad, you oh. know. And I didn't really take the bad sides. You know, at times, um, in my DNA, I felt like, you know, a lot of the chaos mm -hmm. was definitely living within me. And I had to break that. And, you know, three years ago, I made a decision to, like, move that part out of my life. Right. And, um, but... Due to being raised by my mother and my sister, I feel like I got this, like, real vulnerability. You know, like, I, I don't know, because I didn't really get to have it, the father and son dynamic. But I imagine in a lot of cases, and this is what I was raised to kind of know from seeing my peers, was, like, I would watch, I'll never forget, like, watching the movie Stepmom, right? Okay, yes. It was, yes, like, I yes. think it was one of the first movies I ever got to go to in a theater, Right. And I was with my mom and my sister, and I was watching it. And here's my mom on this side, my sister on this side. And I start crying, right, <sighs> while watching it. And my mom's like, yes, like, that's that's a great thing. I think, like, a lot of times, like, a father and son dynamic would be, like, right. toughen up. Right. Toughen up. And um, instead, I was pushed to to grow that sensitivity and empatheticness, you know, and uh, I'll never forget moments like that of being like, it's OK to be like that, you know. And I think that in a lot of ways through my music, I have definitely pushed the idea that it's great to be emotional. It's great to be in touch with your emotions. It's great to be an open book and share things and not try to hold everything in. And um, yeah, I mean, my childhood is, you know, in so many ways, the reason I am who I am. It's great to be an open book, as you yeah. just said. It is not easy. I'm not saying this to you, but in general, it's hard to be an open book because when you're open, you become vulnerable. Yeah. But I believe that vulnerability is one of the most charming traits that one could have no matter what your career is. Yeah. If you can just be like, this is me. These are my emotions. It's a result of some of this crap or great things that happened in my life. And this is what I'm experiencing now. And so again, like kudos for just for being an open book because it has led to the great art. What about the song room? Yeah. Is that as a result of your dad? Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. And by the so, way, this is, I want all good vibes here. So we're going to, this is no, going to be a coaster I stuff. love it. This is all okay. good vibes for me anyway. Okay. Um, so the song room, it was called room. It's called Smith on my album. Um, and yeah, that's a hundred percent about, uh, you know, it's um, it's kind of a double entendre. It's talking about the fact that I did this um, breathwork meditation therapy with stuff Feldman. with John Feldman, amazing yeah. person. Um, and at the end of it, there's like this heart prayer that they do. And it talks about how your heart has this door. Open up this door into your heart. Think of these three specific times in your life where you felt like true laughter, true happiness, true love. Think of those things. And... Um, you know, my father had just passed away really <sighs> recently and I was having trouble finding like, wh how, what do, what is my, where do I hold him in my, 
in my whole thought process and in my heart, you know, where does that stand with me? Because we had such a up and down relationship. And uh, he was the funniest dude I ever met. He was absolutely the funniest guy that I've ever met in my life. So when it came to like, think of one moment you truly felt laughter. It was like, oh, that's how I can have him stay with me for the rest of my life, you know? And so it was like, open this door to your heart, put him in there. He lives in there now. That moment lives in there. Those three moments that you just picked, no one in this world has those exact three moments, thus making you totally unique, just like everyone else, right? Mm. Isn't that the greatest saying? Yeah. You're you're unique, just like all of us. Isn't that just the greatest, like, (laughs) funniest thing? And then at the same time, my father would go in and out of living with me out here in California. You know, he would be living with me, like sleeping on my couch or. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. So. So not really, not really a stereotypical dad role. No, no, not at all. It was me uh, playing the dad role. You know, that's tough. That is so tough. Yeah, it was tough. And and at the same time, like I was happy to do it. But there was definitely um, times where like I would have wanted to see what it was like to have a father figure. And then at the other time, it was like the greatest thing to see. Like, you know, I say movie about life so much because like I picture all of us are living this personalized movie of our own that we're going to watch on our last moments, you know, when they say this whole flashback of life happens. Like, that's your movie, you know? Right. And um, have the most interesting movie. Remember Me Just Like This. Yeah. Which is available to watch on YouTube. Yes. And somehow you knew to document, starting back with, like, maybe, like, a camcorder or something. Oh, yeah. Everything that you were doing, including up until making your full-length with John Feldman out there in Calabasas. Yeah. And doing one-on-ones with yourself with the camera on you. Oh, yeah. And opening up. Yeah. How in the F did you know or want to do that for all these years? I think the best duty you can do to this world is give something of inspiration and hope, right? All these documentaries about people that I would watch, most of the time would come out when they were done either dead or at the end of their life. And I never saw a reason for that, you know? I always felt like I want to I want to connect with someone. I want to be a part of a community. I want to be invested into someone while they're currently in the process of doing what they're doing. And by making this documentary, it was not saying, like, all right, this is, like, a, the stamp on my life. Like, this is my only documentary. Like, I can make as many as I want. Right. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, why I did it now was I felt it was very important because I could, you know, as as we've seen with documentaries, these things can go on as soon as you think they're done. You start something else happens and they go on for years and years and years. I thought it was just important now to document the fact of like, especially with where music is right now. You know, I've really been doing this since I was 13 years old. I've been invested into this kind of music that I'm making right now currently. And I think it's so important to show that this isn't just some um, jumping on what's current kind of thing. It's something that's deep within my DNA that I've been fighting for this whole time. Wow. And showing so people. So cool, man. And, and, and just, just like I said, like the service, you know, I wake up every day and um, every day I pray, whether I do my full prayer of being like a 30-minute prayer, like I really have this intense prayer that I do every day. Um, whether it's a short one or a long one, I always say like, 
um, I'm a servant to you and all of God's children to make this world a better place, right? I believe in God. That That's a new thing within the last three years. I've been atheist in my life. I've been spiritual in a way of being like, I'm open to everything. Like at this point in my life, I'm very faithful into like God is who I'm praying to. And uh, to be a servant to this world, to try mm. to make it a better place. I think in my story, it's it's the story of perseverance, you know? It's the story of a million no's for one yes. And if anyone can take anything from that, it's to just understand the day you give up is the closest you were to getting it, you know? Right. And right. um and I, I and I love that that it's been documented that there was these times where I was looking like I was about to do it and then it was right back to zero, you know? And then starting something new and no one understanding it and getting good and right back to zero. And um, to show that I've had this drive this whole time that was kind of self-inflicted, you know, I never really was that kid that had people around me being like, you are special. Mm. You are one. You're so talented. I didn't get the word talented thrown on me until maybe working with John Feldman. Who said it to you? Probably Feldman? John Feldman. Yeah. Okay, hold on a minute. I'm not trying to get a therapy yeah. session here. Yeah. But when you're a kid and no one is ever telling you, hey, good job on that hockey game. And you know yeah. what? You just learned that Blink song on those drums. That's yeah. incredible. I can't believe you <laughs> figured out how to play a freaking Blink-182 song here on the farm. <laughs> and no one is ever saying, hey, great job. That's tough. That is tough. So what did it feel like when Feldman, John Feldman, frontman of Goldfinger, producer extraordinaire, a guy we all love, the way he lives his life, Working and his personal life is something we all should pay so much respect to. Yeah. What it feel like? Um, in one word, redemption. Wow. In 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 the simplest form, it was like a redeeming factor in my life that kind of shifted everything in the way I make music. You know, someone that's worked with so many people to say something like, you are special. You know, people don't do it like you. And... uh my whole goal with everything is to have my feet firmly planted on the ground, even though my head is in the clouds. I don't like to sound <laughs> egotistical. I've had points in my life where I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to like remain as, as humble as possible. So when I say these things, it's like someone telling me that and I feel very grateful for it. But it, it really, re, it was like, um, it was like when something's broken and the wires are crossed and they're, they're not connected. And then it's all of a sudden the rewiring thing that happens, you know, right. yeah. and yes. relearning how to do things from the standpoint of, of feeling like you are worthy of it. The whole imposter syndrome mm. was something that would seep into my skin through what maybe the general public would kind of push upon me, right? And be like, yeah, like I, I can go on tour and headline shows and, and have people that buy my merch and do this. But then, like, am I good enough, like, to be deserved? Like, do I deserve that? And uh, it was working with John Feldman where I finally, like, felt, like, deserving of it. It was finally the first time. You know, my oh, whole man. life I was, I, was, I was scared to say I have the greatest job in the world. Because I was like, dude, this isn't a job. Like, you've worked a real job. And, like, what you get to do is not a job. And then finally working with John Feldman, I was like, you know what? This is a job. This is my job. This is my, this is my, what, what I was put here to do. And it is work, you know? It's real work. There's a lot of time. You put yourself out there to be judged every single day. I know that's just part of it, but 
constantly creating a product, keeping up with everybody. Um, you are a creative force. And that's probably what John Feldman saw. Like, wait a minute. I know who this dude is. He can drum like crazy. He writes poetry. He's incredible on stage. Like, oh, what? do you know what it was specifically for you where John Feldman was like, whoa, hold, hold on a minute. This guy is really good. Was it something in particular? Yeah. What was it? Yeah, it was uh, the first time I walked into a studio. Yes. Um, I was writing for another group that he was working with. Okay. And we're doing the typical writing thing. You're sitting around in the studio with an acoustic guitar and you're, you're like, what's our concept and what's this and that? And uh, it wasn't really the idea that we were working on wasn't really going anywhere. And I'm not the kind of artist that is I'm not pushy. So like when it's not going anywhere, I'm kind of just like trying to like keep, keep it going without being like, no, this is amazing. It's like, oh, you don't like that. How about this? How about this? How about this? And uh, it just wasn't connecting for the artist that we were working with. So he's like, all right, let's just take like a five minute break real quick. And uh, I go outside, and then Feldy, with, with John Feldman's energy, is unbelievable. Like, me and him are, like, two peas in a pod when it comes right? to, like, yeah, yes. woke up, let's go. Yeah. Um, he runs out the door, and he's like, I got a new idea. Get, get behind the mic. And I'm like, all right. Telling you to go behind the mic. Yes, yes. This other band to... is there, right? Yeah. Okay. I got another idea. Go get, just go get behind the mic. He, he didn't even show me what I was about to record on. It was a whole different song. And he just hit spacebar, and he was like, "Just go." And he was playing you the music, yeah, to a song. There was okay. like there was like a a hook on it, right? Okay. There was a hook on it, and you know, I got like a f few pieces of the word of the hook, and then he was just like, "Just go," and that's when most artists freeze, and they're like, either they'll go like. <laughs> try to come up with like a melody, maybe. Yes. I come from the world of in a lot of t in a lot of ways like the world of rap and hip hop, which is like I spent ten thousand hours freestyling in a car with my friend riding around the city, putting on beats and just freestyling. I've accessed that part of my brain, so I can go in there and just spit out words and and melodies and rhymes and the whole thing. And I ended up doing like two verses right there. It was like start the song on the intro, verse one. Go into the hook, let the hook play. Verse two, God done. Dang. And he was just like, you know, as he says, he says in my documentary, but he's just talking and he's just like, you know, you could just see him being channeled by something. And um, and that's what I'm that's what I open up to do. You know, that's when when I get behind the mic is the one time that I don't uh claim ownership. I'm like, whatever is about to happen. I'm just asking to that I have my antenna up, you know? And I would say, like, 90% of the time my antenna is up, and sometimes there's, like, days where I'm just, like, it wasn't waiting for me, you know? Yeah. Like, that's another thing Feldman talks about is, like, talks about the idea that, like, the song is, sometimes the song is just waiting for you at the studio. You just got to show up. The song was waiting for you, you know? And, uh, and that's how I make my music with him, is he works with so many artists, and the majority of them have their laptop or their 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 pen or their notes app on their phone. Yeah. And they're writing down stuff and listening to a beat for like an hour and like, okay, I think I got it. And for me, it's like he spends about 10 minutes making music. And we talk about it. I'm like, maybe go like... And the draws Right? And within 10 minutes, we'll have like a skeleton. 
you know. And then he's like, all right, go in there. Come on. And then this I'll, is all at his house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I'll go in there and he'll just run it from start to finish. And I'll go from the front. I call it eating. I'll call it, I call it eating the beat. That's like my goal is like I don't leave space on it. Like from the start to the finish, I will just go. Wow. I have no embarrassment. Holy crap. Okay. That that's that's what's that that's one of my biggest tips for artists, especially ones that like to that that have a mindset of wanting to like collaborate or work with other artists or do any kind of writing is like don't be embarrassed. If you sound like a total fool, you're probably getting close to making art, you know? Like perfection to me is the anti-hero of art you know can i throw one piece in on that yeah you also have to tell the people that are around the person that it's okay to create freely and no one's going to make fun of you for that oh yeah ben affleck i think it was said something like don't judge me for my bad ideas don't make fun of me just accept give me the praise on the good ones not yeah. praise but yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so it's like you need to be able to be free with the people around you yeah in that space because yeah. if they're even if it's a romantic relationship or a creative one, you have to be able to just be totally free. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. That's that's a hundred percent sums up why I'm able to do what I do. Is is that whole basis of being like, I will take like what we already talked about. I will take a million no's for one yes. Yeah, man. I will just keep spitting out ideas and. Whether they are ridiculous or not, I feel good about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I feel, I feel great about just silence to me is, is kind of like the scariest thing, period. Anyway, so like I like to fill a room up with ideas or just saying whatever's on my mind at that time, you know? And being able to close my eyes and be like, all right, this is, I'm seeing a story here. I'm seeing an idea let me just spit it out. And like what what I always say is that like the voice inside my head is so much more intelligent than I am. By the time it reaches my teeth, it's like vomit <laughs> coming out. But I try to form it into some kind of idea. Um, Internet Killed the Rockstar was the name of your album. came out in 2021. But as we yeah. sit here right now, wait, can I mention the new song? Yeah. Yeah, you sent me the song, um, Rich Kids Ruin Everything. Yeah. It's like a two and a half minute unbelievable song. So Thank you. this is a combination of strategy and creativity question. You're just no, there's no break for you. It's like, let me just keep going. This song is great. We'll talk about the song in a second, but like yeah. why all of a sudden here's more musical. Here we go. Oh yeah. Um, there hasn't been a break since I did internet killed the rock star. You know, there hasn't been a break since I met John Feldman. It was like, if there is a day and he's a busy guy, he works with a lot of people. Yeah. If there's a day for me to come in, we're going to make something. I'm going to leave with something. I We never start something and not finish it. That's just like our whole goal. Like with this record, the first day that we started, so the first time I met Feldman and worked with him was working for someone else. Then he was like, dude, I want to work with you. Get over here. We're working on this day. I came in and we made my song Karma and Bones yes. on the same day. Love Karma. Thank you. We made I also love Roller Coaster, by the way. Oh, cool. Yes, I, that's really so good. Sorry, I'm taking you off track. Uh, no, I love that. That's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
We made both those songs on the same day within six hours. What? How do you yeah. do that? Oh, you don't have the answer. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's just it's it's just I found someone that that knows how to capture the the pieces of magic. Yeah, you know yeah. that I can spit out. And and like I said, if there is a three minute song and a three minute piece of music composed that I'm going over, and there's ten seconds of magic in that three minutes, he knows where it is. And I've always been looking for that. For someone that was able to hear what I hear as the great part. And then oftentimes, and sometimes, sometimes I don't hear it. And he's like, that's where we start. Let's go. You know? You guys ever butt heads in there? Maybe once. <laughs> Maybe once. Was it over a certain and song or a lifestyle? Or it was, was it no, like, it was, um, like a, no, it was over, um, <laughs> I think one of his influences and idols is George Martin. Okay. Right? Um, who famously said to the Beatles, he would be like, they would be like, yo, we kind of want to go back and maybe like fix this one part. And he's like, no, he's like, that. <laughs> he's like, just make another song. He's like that. What you did, that's what it's supposed to be. And so the only time we've ever like butt heads was me being like, yo, dude, like I kind of want to go back and, and change tinker, something. Tinker a little. And he's like, dude, it's great how it is. You know, I'm not a go back guy. And I, and I so respect that about him. Um, he has like a firm belief in like, capturing magic you know in the wild like that that's what going to the studio is for me it's like being like a like a hunter in the middle of the the forest like hiding behind trees and hunting for magic you know what i'm saying you like see it and you're trying to like hunt it down right like that that's kind of like my whole ideology with it that's good um little bullet point on feldman that yeah. he does not want to go back dude it's good enough let's move on yeah i would go crazy if someone said if i'm like i gotta go back i want to fix this thing. and he'll he'll let you he will Sean let you say wants me to always say yeah. no don't go back he, and do he, he, he's not the kind of producer that's like i know all he's very open to yeah. everything we trust each other so much mm. that he 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 really cares about me to the point that he's like he'll 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 give it a shot but he knows when he hears something great and uh, and I love that about him. And he'll do it. I, I'm sure he works differently with other artists and stuff. Um, but that's like the kind of things that that we've uh, grown to love each other for, you know. Uh, the song Rich Kids Ruin Everything. I'm playing it on the radio. It's going to be blasted out on many stations at once. How many yes. days did this take? Was it a song you wrote down or he gave you music and you just started singing? How did it come together? It happened in one day. Um, nice. In one session. And... Uh, I had the idea of Rich Kids Ruin Everything. Like, I'm a, I'm a titles person, so I just, like, had that. I was like, oh, man, this is a statement, you know? I wanted to make a statement song. I wanted to make something that was tongue-in-cheek, and I wanted to make something that uh, spoke to my youth, you know? And so we went in and started making the music. I did it with my friend Lil Aaron. You know Lil Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lil Aaron yeah. was there who's a great person to help steer the ship too. He's a great writer, great, uh, great person to have in the studio. Um, and, uh, I was just like, yo, I want to make a song called this and let's do it. And I wanted to make something that definitely felt like, felt like me saying something to my high school self, mm. you know, um, the whole, the whole like basis of the song is that it's for the kids who didn't have it easy. You know, which is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time already is like the kids that didn't have it easy, the kids that weren't told that they were special 
or that they weren't exceptionally beautiful or that they didn't have rich parents, you know, that that really had to go from the ground up doing this. And uh, and there's a turnaround in it that's like talks about like one day we'll make it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like just this song where I'm like talking like rich kids, like you're the worst. It's like it's really saying like it's it's not saying don't become rich. It's not saying don't become successful. It's really for the kids that were picked on and told no and the underdogs of this world. You know, I like to in my eyes, like what if I could. If I could be a superhero, like part of like, let's say like the Marvel cast or something, yeah. I would want to be the defender of the underdogs. Yeah, you know, that would that right. was that would what be what my title I'd like to have. And so I feel like there's this giant topic that's not being talked about right now. And uh and it's like talking about pop culture, you know, it's talking about where pop culture is right now. And it's very tongue in cheek, you know. It's got parts in it where every time I play for someone, there's like two specific parts in it where they hear it and they laugh and they're like, oh. and I've never really had something like that. You know, I've never really had a song that was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And you know what? Like, again, being a pop punk kid, being an emo kid, like that, that's really what I was from sixth grade on, seventh grade on. You like know? the something corporates of the world, Ooh. the newfound glories of the Ooh. world, right? Starting line. I, I mean, you just said like my holy trinity right there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, those those are all drive through bands. I was a drive through kid. Right, they are drive through bands. That I was, was right. Drive through records, kid, through and through. Dude, I, I played something the... corporate on the radio. What song? Um, um, if you see Jordan. If you see Jordan, written in six. Not many songs on the radio are in six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two. That's so that so what was that? Was that two thousand one or two or something? Two thousand two. Okay. I would so say. the band was they were so nice. Yeah. And it's you know, being on the radio, you know, there's a lot of times where your boss is like, play this song. But yeah. it's a it's the way you present it as the host, which is your enthusiasm and maybe a couple bullet and like I was so enthusiastic. Anyway, they that's ended so up cool. taking me for sushi oh, on man. sunset. Boulevard, um, do you know where Pink Taco is on of Sunset? Course, bro. That used to be a sushi restaurant. Really? So we went and had sushi and sake, and they gave me a Bad News Bears baseball jersey as a present. Oh my god! And it's like that. I mean, that's like twenty something years ago now, or twenty years ago. I'll never forget that moment. They were, uh, that was Andrew so nice McMahon. Yes, we love you, Andrew McMahon. Yeah, yeah, Ab absolutely. That's a great story. So you loved all those bands growing up. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the yeses. There are a thousand no's for one yes. Travis Barker was a huge inspiration as well. Oh, yeah. You would play, learn how to play Blink songs. Yeah. What, how and where and when did you meet him here? And was it in L.A.? Yeah, the first time I met him was in L.A. Uh, in 2015, I dropped an album called Look Up. And there's a song on it called Never Quit. And um, Travis Barker is such an awesome guy. Like, I sent him this song just through the internet. Maybe I just asked him first and then sent him the song. And he was like, yeah, I'll play on it. And uh, and I was like, all right. I was living in Minnesota. I was like, I will be in California. Um, such a memorable trip for me. I went out to California. This is when I was like, ooh, I'm going to kind of like, maybe I'll move here. And I was kind of like looking at spots. So anyways, I showed up to his studio at the time. And I can't remember who was there, but he had the funniest story. I think it was either 
Tim Armstrong or Lars, one of them, <laughs> okay. was also there. I believe it wow. was one of them. I It, it was, was probably Tim because they were in the transplants I together. I think it might have been guess. Tim. Um, either way, one of the most punk icons in the world. Yes. And, uh, and then me in 2015 just being oh, like, ah! like just the most positive person around. And he was just like, what a dichotomy of like the two people <laughs> in the studio. Um, but one of the yeses definitely, uh, you know, like as a kid, um, there was this really good drummer in town and uh, we we're going to play in the ninth grade talent show. Okay. And uh, I went and my guitar player who was friends with the drummer was like, let's go like, uh, I think this was a nice way of saying like, you're not really playing that well. He's like, let's go have you play in front of this drummer and he can give you a few pointers. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And I went and played in front of this drummer and he was like, bro, you are bad. Just cancel the gig. Like, don't cancel you, you the can't. gig. You're like a ninth. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He's what? like, he's like, you are not playing the song. Like what song I wasn't. was it? Adam song. Adam really song. hard, <laughs> really <Okay>. difficult song. <laughs> um, and at the time I was just like a really beginner. You know what? Maybe this was like eighth grade. Um, I was a real beginner. And, uh, and we went ahead and played it anyway. And, um, you know, I talk about that in my documentary of just being like, I'll never forget just going up there and being like, that was when I decided like never get embarrassed, just be confident. Confidence shows more than skill, you know? And, uh, so anyways, I, I had held that with me playing Adam's song in front of this kid. So then the day I met Travis Barker, I got to sit down behind his kit and play the part for Adam's song, which is like, it's a it's a hard part but i had it down at that point so anyways i sat down and played in front of him and he was like yeah nice oh my he was like God. he wasn't like you're amazing but he was definitely like good job yeah that's it um so that was definitely a big yes and that moment. was on your debut full-length album yeah mgk on there black bear black also bear. made an appearance yeah and you've got these like super talented people, yeah. And those relationships that were formed then, yeah, are still going strong. Oh yeah, that's so cool, man. It is really cool. That's wow. a very fortunate thing. I think about it all the time. I don't really have, um, you know, there's so many people that have friends <clears throat> that they went to like high school with that they stayed in touch with, and uh, I'm trying to like re uh, reconnect those things now lately. And a couple of them have been seen, but I do have friends that have been with me and for a decade now, you know, like Black Bear and Kells. I mean, those are two people right there that like I really have that we've come up together, you know, right. And remain close. And I'm their biggest fans, dude. Like I'm the you know, like I, I am that kid that is a complete music fan, you know, like I am listening to all Whenever they drop a song, I'm one of the first to listen to it right away. I'm texting them, oh, my God, this part's great. This part's great. And, like, I'm just a big fan, like, of all this. And you know what? That is so charming because when you came over, you told me on the Internet, but you also said here that you've watched almost every one of these episodes that I, I do. I think there's only one I haven't watched. That makes me feel so good. Imp huge question. Yeah. How important is it in 2022 for the artist to support other artists is it happening more than i think or less than i think like in like where is it that's a great question how important is it um i think that the sense of community right now that's happening within 
you know, when I, growing up, like I was a part of what, what I just, I call the scene. It was the scene, you know what I'm saying? I was a scene kid. That was what we got made fun of for being scene kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, nowadays there's like this whole new scene happening right now. And, uh, I think being fans of each other and supporting each other is awesome. Um, and I think I'm seeing people do more of it. And I like to think that I'm supportive um, of my contemporaries and my peers and stuff like that. Uh, I think that building this community back up right now, you know, history repeats itself. We've seen it over and over again. Yeah. The clock turns back. Yep. Um, I think it's happening right now. So I guess I guess I would like to see more of it and I would like to do more of it actively. I would like to step up and be doing more of that. You know, I think it just comes down to like sharing other people's songs and art and and all that, or just like leaving a comment on their post and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it is important. I think that I think that we could all do it more. You know, including myself, because there's room for everyone. You yes. Know? There's there is room for everybody. Yeah, there is. To and I get percent agree. And I definitely am a, a victim of doing. The opposite of that sometimes and thinking like oh i need to maybe sometimes i get in my head and be like you know there's sometimes i think there's not room for all of us right but there is there really is and i would like to definitely work on that more you know personally right so yeah. back to a therapy session you know <laughs> i really do think that there is room to grow for myself in that way because uh because that's part of the beauty of music you know, is creating a community. Right. And uh, the touring aspect of things, I think, is great. I think that, you know, you don't really see headliners just go out without support. They always have support. And a lot of times, you know, I'm with a agency, and as much as you want to think going with a booking agent that you're going to just get tours, it's most of the time it comes from your relationships with people. And they take out their friends, you know. But I would like to grow in that way and be more supportive. Chris Caraba from Dashboard said, and he was just here in that seat. I know, man. I'm feeling good sitting in the same spot as him. He was talking about. And your joke at the beginning was amazing. Which one? And the gate was locked, so oh, yeah. I jumped in, <laughs> and I let you in. Thank you. You were putting water on the stream. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I was dying laughing. I was like, I hope people are picking up on that joke because that's I don't know. You got it. So I think other people got it. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed to tell him that the gate was locked, but it was actually open. He could have walked right in. He loved it. He it didn't put great. his hands on my waist or mine great. on his. What a nice guy. What the, ni the nicest guy. And you don't get to you don't get to really hear him talk that much. No, he opened up a lot. But yeah. the quick the quick thing is, so many bands he said were friendly to him and made yep. him feel welcome. And mm -hmm. because of that, he could let his guard down on stage and just enjoy it. That story that he told of what was it, Toby from H2O? Yes. The pep said talk. like, "You belong here. You belong here." Yeah. Man alive. And uh, it feels like that state like Feldman to you. That's yeah, kind there of you what go. He did. I mean, it's like it's like for all the people out there again offering any kind of service. Like that's what I would like to be able to do to the people that are coming up. You know. Question then. Yeah. What do you look? For, tw Twenty year old, maybe twenty five year old, eighteen year old sends you a song. What are you listening for? And then what are you looking for? 
that's going to pique your interest? First off, I am 100% about emotion behind a vocal. Okay. You know, singing perfect, singing perfectly on key, all that stuff doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. Like, of course, we want you to be singing on key, but I would rather take a true, honest performance um, where emotion is involved than, you know, something that's quote unquote perfect. So I'm definitely looking to be able to hear something strike a chord with me. Um, lyrically, I love, I'm a fan of poetry. So, like, I really feel like uh, people that are just at least trying to write something that's either clever or, you know, Charles Bukowski is one of my favorite poets. He kind of bluntly said something along the lines of, like, never turn a sentence into a paragraph, right? You're really, really being a poet when you can take a paragraph's worth of content and turn it into one sentence. That's amazing. So trim the fat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Try to say it Jeez, in as few please. words as possible. Okay, you know? right. And word word economy. Yeah. Word economy. Yes. Very good. Strike. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Fat Mike was calling you. Strike. Strike. Word economy is, is really important. Yeah. And then and then um I love, I truly love when someone is like, you'll be seeing me again. You'll be hearing from me someday. I'll be on stage with you. I love that. I know I'll never forget Fallout Boy was one of my absolute idols as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I was at their first show out of Chicago playing at the Ascot Room in Minneapolis. Wow. Okay. Wow. Front row, they started playing Where is your boy tonight? And that starts a cappella. No one in the audience had known the song yet. This was mp3.com days. Yeah. This was like prior to peer volume even. And I'm singing it with them and the whole band comes up to me and they're like, "What? How do you know this?" <laughs> I it's me and Patrick Stump singing. And um, they were my idols. And uh, when I started Mod Son, right, I've always, like, taken this risk. And I had saved up, like, 100 bucks at the time. Maybe it was, like, $110. And I went and bought one of those iPod minis, you know, the oh, ones yeah. that look like an I, I, I Apple remote. Like the, they look, as much as a feather. Yeah, they look like an Apple remote now. Right, um, right. And I took my first project that I made. It was called All By Myself. And funny, Rich Kids Ruin Everything. My first project was called All By Myself, but it was B-U-Y? I apostrophe L-L-B-U-Y. Oh, yeah, All okay. By Myself. And it was kind of like a wordplay. Um, and uh, I put these 10 songs on one of those iPod minis. And I went to, like, the craft store. And I got, like, a, a, a twine <laughs> And I put all these beads on it and made this necklace where, where the iPad mini sat there. And Fall Out Boy was playing at, uh, at like, the XL Energy Center in Minnesota. Okay. Um, and I snuck in backstage, which is very difficult at an arena, yes. you know? But I had been finessing for a long time as a kid, you know? I've been a hustler. So I snuck in backstage, and I walked right into his dressing room. I rocked Walked right. Patrick Stump? Uh, no, uh, into the Follow Boy dressing room. Okay, the f- I walked right up to Pete Wentz and I handed him this iPod mini with a necklace. And he goes, What is this? And I was like, My music is on here. And I made this for you. I want you to have it. I was at your guys' first show back in the day. I was that kid singing in the front row. And I was like, I want you to have this and listen to this music. 
And I turned around and started walking out of the room. And he goes, how will I know who you are? And I go, you'll see me again one day. My name, is Mod, my name is Mod Son. Yeah, yeah. And then I met him, I saw him years later at um, South by So What Festival down in Texas, which I'm actually playing again this year. My career has been so wild. Um, and uh, I think his band Black Cards might have been playing, which was when he was in a band with BB Rexa. Yes. Um, and I walked up to him and I was like, yo, bro, I'm Mod Son. You remember when I gave you that? You know, this is like four years later. I'm kind of like doing my thing now. What'd he say? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, I, I, I still have that thing in my, uh, next to my bed in my, in the, the what's it called? Bed post, whatever. Yeah, the, the bedside table. Yeah, I still yeah. have that. He goes, I took your music off and put some other music on it, but uh, I still have it. And I was like, oh man, that's no the coolest thing ever. But, but going back to, I know, man, that have that confidence, that delusional confidence. That's what I would look right. for. In yes. an artist okay. coming up, you know, because you are a producer officially. You yeah. are. You are. You don't have to sing on songs. Yeah. It seems like you can use your knowledge that you've acquired in yeah. your creativity, your creative force. As I've said, bring in an artist, young, old, super, whatever it is. Yeah. And 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 help them. Yeah. Like, oh man, wait, what's the last thing you produced, Avril or no? Yeah. You did. Yeah. Was that tough? No, not at all. It wasn't? No. You didn't feel nervous? Not oh, because of oh. any relationship, anything. No. I mean, like, oh, my gosh. I wouldn't say My nervous. decisions are going to have some. No. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't say it was nervous. It was super gratitude being in that room, you know. Um, being in the room with some. So here's another story about John Feldman. Like, when I was a kid sitting at the sixth stair skateboarding, like, that used album. That came out. Yes. That John Feldman produced. The debut album one? Yeah. With Blue and Yellow, Buried yes. Myself Alive, Taste of Ink. Yes. Yes. That album came out, and it defined my high school experience. You know, it defined everything about me at that time. And when Four Letter Lie got signed to Victory Records, yes. they were like, make a list of people you want to work with, who you want to produce this album. I was like, John Feldman. I want to work with John Feldman. That's all I want to work with, John Feldman. Victory was like, you can't afford John Feldman. That's not <laughs> happening. You know what I'm saying? But I had wanted to work with him forever. So, like, John Feldman, you know, there's a part in the doc the making of that used album where John Feldman is throwing a trash can at Bert to get him to scream, right? And I'll never forget seeing that and being like, that is a producer. Like, getting something out of someone. That is a producer going all out with it. And um, I had wanted to work with him my whole entire life. So here I am in a room with him working on an album with Avril Lavigne. Right. And then Travis Barker is a part of it, you know? And it's just like that is, the oh, most, man, the most, you know, again, the most like redeeming thing ever. You know, I'll never forget when she was like, she saw me do what I do behind the mic where I just go and freestyle. You know, she was like, you know, she was sitting next to Feldman and she had him hit space bar and she hit the talk back and she was like, are you just making this up right now? And Feldman like looks up at her and he's like, yeah, that's what he does. That, that's what he does. And she was like, oh my God, like I've never seen someone do that. And uh, I just, my whole world changed through those moments. And um, she, there, there was no pressure making that album. You know, she wanted to make that album and she steered the ship completely you know 
and she is one of the greatest singers, not of our generation, of all time, as far as I'm concerned. I've never, ever seen someone be able to do what she can do with her voice and have such a an identity to it. Right. You know it's her. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You yes. absolutely know it's her when she does it. And she has these inflections in her voice that could never be taught. It could never be taught. And that's taught. an instinct plus the, a talent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. More, you know what it is? I think it's more instinct. I think it's more being channeled to create the voice of your dreams. You know, I think that she sings what she hears in her head, you know, and she's one of the absolute greatest and working with her, working with John Feldman, working with Travis Barker, absolute dream come true. I mean, it really was. And the album's doing amazing. Yeah. And Love sucks. That's yeah, the name of it. Yeah. Of the album's name is Love sucks. It's out now. It's doing great. People are, you know, saying great things about it. And uh, I'm so happy for you. It's really I'm crazy. So I will always root for you, man. man always, you. Oh, always have, even though it's our first time meeting. Yeah. But, uh, and no one has ever been in this chair that didn't have a story. And it's, uh, I think you and I may have talked off air. I can't remember if it was off or on, but learning your story makes you just, makes me want to just like hug you, hold you, yeah. root you on, cheer you on yeah. even more than ever. Wow. Man. Good for you on everything. Congratulations. Thank you. Man. Thank you. And it's just the start. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just it's the start. start. Right. You're not like this. Yeah. You're like slowly, slow, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. 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 And uh, so great to see. And just going to, you know, keep, keep working. Like there's this great quote that's like, inspiration does happen, but it's got to find you working, you know? So as long as I'm keeping my hands busy and staying creative, uh, I feel like I'm just going to be able to do this until I'm old and dead. Yes. You know? You will. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the goal. So glad you're healthy. You look great. You sound great. Oh, one last thing before we go. Yeah. Did Machine Gun Kelly buy you a car? He yeah. was drunk saying, I'm buying you a car tomorrow when he kicked the thing. Did he buy you the car? <laughs> I should have held him to that. Yeah, I mean, no. he must have said it. You know, some people have too much. Hey, I've had too much drink. I repeat the same thing. He yeah. said it 8,000 times. Yeah, Did I know. Did he buy you the car? I know. Yo, in my head, I was like, man. I was like, that would be cool, actually. I maybe started picking out cars at that moment. I was like, what would I want? What would I want? Um, he fixed my windshield. You know, that was good enough. Okay. And, and, and Bloody Valentine, by the way. Yeah. Are you responsible for my blood? and just keep extending the two words instead of throwing extra words in there? Um, you know, I don't like to take responsibility for That's anything, right. but but like creative, creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I mean we we made that we made that song together and wrote it together. And um, you know, there's there's a video online, yeah, of us making it and you know, putting it together. Yeah. And and, and again, the greatest things happen, you know, I, I think in another tip for artists is like some of the greatest things happen in a very short amount of time. You know, it's like there's this there's this I, I have so many there's this sayings, but there's this one saying that's like what whatever your favorite. Let's say you have a favorite sandwich, right? Would you like that sandwich more if it took an hour to make? Or are you perfectly fine if your favorite sandwich is made in five minutes? Five minutes. Right. Yeah. You're perfectly fine. You're not right. like, well, this didn't take an hour to make. How is it my favorite? <laughs> you know, so it's like for artists, it's like, you know, sometimes you got to let go of that idea that. Um, to create something great, it must have taken a lot of time, you know? Sometimes the greatest things are the things that I often say I would rather not think than overthink. 
I would rather completely let go of the thought process than be overthinking because overthinking is detrimental. Right. It really yes. is. The yeah. second you start second guessing yourself is when you're headed down the wrong street, you know? Yeah. And um, so for all the artists and writers, I know I'm sure there's so many artists that watch this because I can't be one of the only ones that's addicted to your podcast. That's an Thanks, artist, man. you know, I'm, I'm always sure curious so who many. is out there. Who's yeah. out there checking yeah. this thing out? Yeah. I mean, there's got to be just like so many artists. I feel like you're the artist's favorite podcast. You oh, know, I really thank do. You. Thank and we you all love so you very much. much, bro. You've done so much for music and Thanks. you've always been, been very lucky. someone that's that's pulled people up. You know, so thanks, man. It's super appreciative and uh, a pleasure being on this podcast. Love having you on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank my you, man. my son. My man. Remember me just like this. Yeah. You guys can watch it on YouTube. The new song is Rich Kids Ruin Everything. Yes. And uh, he's a gentleman and artist we need to support because he does so many things so great. And that's the episode. Thanks to Mod Sun. Tuna on Toast with I, Ted Stryker. <laughs> I am Ted Stryker. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. Yeah! That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise, it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>